ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Thanks for joining us today at the Chris and Andre Show. This is episode eight. Um, want to thank everybody for showing up, listening, and giving us some love and following us on all the social medias. Yeah, you four people uh, are amazing. Chris- <laughs> I know, right? You guys rock. Uh, <laughs> we are winners. So we talk about a bunch of stuff. I mean, from politics, religion, all the light topics on the planet. And we're glad that you're joining us here today. So, Chris, how's it going, man? Uh, doing pretty good. You know, it's um, it's been a foggy morning here in North Carolina. Um, but it's good to be back, you know, um, staying home this week. Had to do a little bit of uh, chaperoning of a kindergarten field trip yesterday at the kids' museum. So, chasing a bunch of toddlers. Well, I guess they're not. I don't know if they're technically still toddlers. Are they toddlers? I, toddler, I think, goes from like three to five, maybe. But then I yeah. don't know. Like, what are you from six and up? Um, You're a kid. Yeah. You, you just reach kid status. So, anyway, so yeah, six year old kids. Um, I was in charge of three of them, including my own daughter. Um, but they were generally good. Um, and we had a good time. I'm just, I think my body is still recovering, um, from just being on like high alert for that of a period of time. Cause I mean, we were there from, we got there at 10 and we stayed until 1245. So, I mean, almost three hours with a half hour lunch break. So well, that's like a job in and of itself, right? Seriously. And then I had to come home and do my actual job. Wow. (laughs) Which, which consisted of getting on a Skype call with a customer for all of like 12 minutes. So they could be like, Hey, we just wanted to meet you. Here's some stuff that we want you to be aware of. Thanks. Bye. That's crazy. It's rough, man. It's rough. How about you? How have have things been with Andre and the clan? Pretty good. Uh, We stopped hanging out with the clan. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I realized like right after I said, I was like, I mean, clan is probably not the right word to use there, but I was, I was going to see if you were going to let it slide. I should have known better. <laughs> no, uh, pretty good. I took Jay Lee to a job interview yesterday. And uh, for those of you that don't know me, I have high expectations and standards of employers. And I try to impart those to my kids. Needless to say, my daughter will, will not be working in that establishment. Uh, the manager Started off late, inconsiderate enough not to have one of his employees to let us know that he's running behind, which happens, um, and <laughs> proceeded to ask me who I was, and literally, and who are you? Arms open, like I'm like, bro, come on, man, I'm not that dude. <laughs> like, I'm her dad. <laughs> so anyway, long story short, this guy did not impress me. Um, I, I think it's important that you you get the right impression on day one for any employer. If you're so full of yourself and your title that you think that you're going to, you know, you could be late and I'm going to stick around, I'm probably going to leave. <laughs> so that just tells me what days two and so on and so forth will look like. So anyway. Yeah. I mean, do you yeah. really want to hire somebody that's desperate enough that they're going to stick around when, <laughs> you know, you've treated, but for some people that's exactly what they want is they want people that'll let them treat them like crap because that's how they manage. And yeah, not so much. Yeah. That does not happen in the Powell household. Um, well, 
Good call on y'all's part to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Funny thing is, we're, I told Jay Leo, I'm like, hey, we're leaving. She goes, what? So we're leaving. He's late. She goes, we're going to leave? I'm like, yeah. And so as we're walking out, we bump into this guy. So it was impressive. <laughs> cooking. So you've been cooking any good food lately? Um, I had, uh, so yes, uh, a couple of different things. Um, yesterday for the field trip, I was, you know, packing Helena's lunch and I was like, well, if I'm going to go, I need to eat something too, especially cause I got to run back and be on this conference call. And so I, I don't remember Christy and I were talking the other night about something. And for some reason we were talking about bologna. And like finding a replacement for bologna. And I was like, well, well, tofu would be a good replacement. But then I found actual vegan bologna when I went to Sprouts the other day. And I was like, well, I'll try this and see what this is like. Uh, It was really good. I actually, I really liked it. Um, I can't remember the brand. But uh, so I made myself like a big ass hoagie sandwich um, with that avocado lime spread. That's like my absolute favorite thing that and my homemade ranch dressing, which I'm starting to feel like I'm, I'm kind of perfecting. Um, but yeah, like I, it's fun cause I'm at the point now where I've cooked so many things that I'm not like when I get a, um, a craving for something, I just throw together what I think is going to taste good and it's actually turning out well, which is nice. Like I'm not necessarily working off of a recipe. Um, right. Like I did those stuffed peppers uh, last week that I think I sent you the picture of, and there's just yeah, like you got to stop doing that because like you send me pictures and I've already eaten and I'm like yeah I got to eat some more and yeah you <laughs> get hungry again I'm sorry <laughs> it's not a good look bro it's not a good look but yo now I got to go buy some peppers <laughs> right yeah those were really good I need to make those again in fact I bought I bought the larger uh, red peppers. Cause I want to use like, I've got a bag of that TVP, um, mm-hmm. you know, which you can use to make like meat substitutes and stuff. And so I've got, I've seen some recipes for doing like a taco filling. And so I want right. to do them in the larger peppers and see how that works. Um, but the, the cream cheese that I made for the stuffed peppers um, turned out really good. It was, you know, just soak cashews and then like some apple cider vinegar, lemon juice and salt. And that's all it was. And you just blend the crap out of it and, and like a little bit of water. Um, and yeah, it, it turned out really good. It's it's almost like a cross between cream cheese and either hummus or cottage cheese. I don't know, like it's because it's got that little bit of a grittiness to it. I don't have like a Vitamix blender or anything. I just have like a standard blender. So sometimes I it doesn't get things as finely chopped as it probably should but i don't know the blender is probably the next area i'm gonna have to look at upgrading at the rate that i'm going <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bumped across a uh, a soul food vegan cookbook um and because i mean I, i'll be honest like my what i like to eat is probably a little bit more on the soul food side because you know i am black <laughs> it's just like a staple. So For I'm excited. Didn't to, know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited to try some of those recipes. And I, I want to get to that point like you where I can just, I feel confident and comfortable with what I'm about to cook next. Um, that I, I'm using less and less recipes. And I, I think it's just for me, it's just, it's, it's one of those weird things of if you're 
a lot of vegan foods are not really, in my experience, have been catered to like people that are not Caucasian. So it's like, yeah, I'm probably never going to eat that, bro. But it looks good. And I'm testing out new foods and new experiences with food, which is cool. But I, at the same time, sometimes, you know, like I want some baked macaroni and cheese with the, you know, burnt edges. So <laughs> it's going to happen. I feel bad because I realized that far too late that I should have told you. But uh, Saturday evening, Christy and I went to Durham and they had a vegan mac and cheese contest um and they had like 10 different places that had made mac and cheese vegan mac and cheese that you could come and try <laughs> audience you're not seeing this but i am shaking my head he's so bad at me right now i'm sorry i know Yo, man. no but they do it like twice a year at least so i'll, I'll make oh, sure so i miss one the next time it comes up uh to let you know well the last time i went you weren't vegan so i didn't think about it and then we were debating whether or not we were going to go and we decided at the last minute on Saturday we were going to go. And then like when we got out there, I was like, I sh totally should have like messaged Andre and been like, Oh yeah, Mac and cheese fest out in Durham. Um, but it was, it was good. It was better this time than the last time we were there. Cause the last time it was a summer and they do it in like the Durham armory where there's no air conditioning. That sounds great. Yeah. But, um, if you go next time, make sure you get there early and get in line to get in because once the crowd gets there it takes forever to get through and get like the little samples from everybody but oh, really? yeah okay. but then they had like um pure juicery uh bar was there and they had like some donuts that they were selling and there was another place that had vegan cupcakes and um all sorts of good stuff so yeah it was it was a good time uh pretty pretty tasty mac and cheese i was so hungry when i went like every one that i tried i was like this was really good and christy's like yeah you should have eaten before you came because you have like no ability to discern between these you're so hungry <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah but i i really i mean i enjoy the the plant-based cooking it's really um it's opening my eyes to things i i want to eat that are different um yeah, it's just great. I, I love it. I, I just have to, like this week has been, the latter part of last week and this week has been kind of weird with my schedule. So I haven't cooked dinner in a couple of days, but um, it's it's fun. It's fun. Like Sunday, we kind of done something we haven't done in a while, which was just kind of after church, just unplugged and watch movies all day. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty pretty cool like i watched 21 bridges i don't know if you've seen that yet but mm -hmm. great movie so definitely have to check that out um yeah you have to, that's a it was actually a pretty good movie i was i was kind of skeptical about you know can chadwick boseman i think that's how you pronounce his last name mm -hmm. get good roles after black panther and the answer is yes so well that's good that's funny we um we had a similar saturday where we just kind of laid around and watched movies but we had a, a marvel fest <laughs> where we were going through and watching all of the marvel movies or at least a, a whole bunch of them um and so black panther was on the list along, along with a bunch of the avenger films so uh, lots of Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm really. I'm speaking of Marvel. I'm really excited about 
some of their new shows that, that coming out this summer and I hope they get here sooner than later because I am like, I'm a big comic book fan. Um, like to know, like, well, not, I'm not a, well, I am addicted to comic books. I love comic books and it's great to see those characters in live action. It, it's just really dope. So hopefully they get some more stuff out there because the Mandalorian on Disney plus I watched it because it was there. Wasn't exciting. So. <laughs> <laughs> not not, not what you were looking for. Yeah, I'm not signing up for that adventure more than probably once. You know, I was thinking this morning that there's a lot of shows I've just kind of let fall by the wayside because I'm just not interested in them. They just don't capture my attention. Yeah, you know, and that that's been I've been having a similar feeling um, and trying to decide if there are any of the streaming services that I'm currently paying for that I don't need. Amazon Prime is actually the one that I keep kind of coming back to and going, like, I never use the streaming service. I do use the two-day shipping a lot. But I've also been having, like, some thoughts about how much I use Amazon and how much that, how much I'm supporting bad business practices, I guess, or <laughs> bad employee practices. Just, I mean, cause there's been a lot of, you know, things in the news about their, the way that they do business to kind of insulate themselves from all of the liability, but still reaping right. all the benefits and, you know, like all of the third party contractor driving services and stuff that they do, they won't release any records for their driving, um, you know, like history and accident history and stuff like that because it's a third party um you know people that buy stuff on amazon that are sold by third parties amazon is like does not hold themselves liable at all for the products that are sold on their site if it's not sold by amazon so i guess the question i would ask you is would you stop shopping at walmart too like that's right well and that's i mean because i made a trip to walmart last week you know and like i had the same thought while i was walking around there i'm like man i really am just like oh walmart amazon hey companies that don't give a shit about their employees let me throw a bunch of money your way and it's i mean it's tough because you know a lot of the the stuff that you buy on amazon is very well priced you know very competitively priced and the same stuff at, at walmart where you know like i got a really good deal on a hard case um, suitcase for work um, that I would have paid four or five times as much you know if I bought something that was made in the USA <laughs> like I hate to say it it's just that's just kind of the way that it goes and um, I, I think that I do believe that people should vote with their wallets and but there's some things where they're just so ingrained in our they become so ingrained in our society that it's kind of the lines get blurred very quickly. I just, I saw a commercial last night while I was watching the debates from Amazon and they obviously, when I saw the commercial, I'm like, yeah, those guys are definitely getting pressure. It was about how small businesses are able to, you know, get a good boost by using Amazon, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 which is true. Sure. Um, you know, most people are shopping on Amazon. It's just, it's just a, you know, matter of fact, the problem is that the opposite is also true that because most people are shopping on Amazon, Amazon holds an immense amount of power in terms of it's the platform and how that platform operates and promotes individual small business sellers. Um, you know, and especially like right now 
with everything that's going on in China with the coronavirus and right. them having difficulty, you know, meeting product delivery, people in the U.S. who are small business shops that sell on Amazon that rely on those either components or finished products to come from China are now not able to fulfill orders. They don't have stock. So Amazon drops them from the top seller program that they've been a part of for a significant amount of time. And now they're not showing up anywhere on the, you know, like first three pages of search results. And so so, my question, like, here's a disruptive question. Like if you as a business are only depending on Amazon to drive traffic to your, your location, whether that be physical or virtual, that's kind of your fault. I know that sounds pretty harsh, but you always have to have a plan B. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, have an eBay store, right? Uh, it's you know. Yeah, there's there's Shopify, there's there's Wix, there's other alternatives. There's do oh, you have that. an online presence? Well, <laughs> do you have an online, do you have an online presence to, and do you have suppliers in your chain that you can back up to? Right? You can't. It, the myth that everything is going to be provided through one channel is merely a myth and you see it in, in physical you know companies especially in the food industry where if you have one supplier and you don't have a plan b you know you're pretty much sol when it comes time when is a, there's a recession you're you're now vulnerable to the elements and you want to insulate yourself to some degree so that you're you're not susceptible to those those instances yeah and i i think people have been really fortunate and in, well not lucky i don't believe in luck but pretty fortunate that there haven't been a lot of global instances of shutting down supply chains good business should not be you know put away because you feel confident in your pricing structure and the ability to get supplies that you're you don't insulate yourself from changes yeah i guess it's um it's i think it's just tough for some people and maybe that's because those businesses aren't real businesses in that sense right you know like if you are solely dependent on being an amazon store like what's the point you know and then like because i heard stories about amazon then trying to pressure and, and influence people into using their stocking and delivery services and everything mm-hmm. um you know because obviously the more people that they have using that the more money that they've got coming in but Again, like if that's if you're at the point where the only way you can survive is by bowing down to Amazon, like, but then it goes, but like, is that unfair? And part of the reason that we're not supposed to have like monopolies and stuff like that, and that we have regulations to try and prevent these sorts of companies from having that type of power. But I mean, don't you think it's kind of like it's a conflicting idea that you have to that. You're penalizing somebody for making the rules for their playground, right? Right. And, but your benefit, like I'm, I'm always confused when I hear this argument, and I, I don't. Yeah, we talked about have, it before, where it's like you know, you and I benefit from what has essentially become you know a monopoly for right. Amazon in some senses. But but, but at what won't... cost, right? Like that's right. that's where I think the the larger you know or the other the other part of the question comes in is like at what cost and that's where i agree that shopping you know or or voting with your wallet um you know and and it's not 
not even to say that I like you have to completely stop shopping at Amazon right. or at Walmart, but for me, it's like starting to realize that just because I can buy it on Amazon and have it delivered tomorrow doesn't mean I have to, <laughs> you know, like I right. can wait and go to a physical store this weekend and shop, you know, maybe it's a more local store or maybe even it's just the store, you know, like a target or something, you know, where I'm supporting more of my local economy and providing an opportunity for somebody to have a job. But, and I, and I'm thumbs up for that one. And I think that, you know, there's a little bit of hypocrisy with people that not seeing you, but I just think that you have to be honest about the fact that things, you know, economies of scale, they have downsides, right? And, consumers control we control the growth of amazon we control the the control that amazon may or may not have in certain industries and i i think that people are just fooling themselves thinking that they can just um you know force them to change their business practices like it's just stupid it's a waste it's really a waste of time if if for example, Apple, right? People say, oh, Apple's a monopoly. No, they're not. They only have 14% of the hardware market now in, in computers, right? right? Phones, even, they're only popular in the United States. They're not the most popular phone abroad. Right. How are they a monopoly? Yeah, I, and I don't, that, I certainly don't feel like Apple is a monopoly. Like, I wouldn't oh, put them in monopoly style. I, I understand some other people do, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider them to be a monopoly. Yeah, so you you do have choice. You just you want people to bend your will and and do what you want them to do. I I just think that's silly. Um, don't buy Apple. I mean, don't shop at Amazon. Uh, if that's your hang up, if people start falling off the Amazon uh, radar or they stop purchasing at Amazon, I mean, Amazon's got to adjust. It's no different than Walmart having to adjust. They didn't start out being a dominant force in shopping and retail, but they grew their company. Now, it's arguable that some of their practices may have been questionable, yeah. but I mean, people I mean, stop shopping there if you don't like it. <laughs> I know that sounds rough, but I mean, we're putting, uh, you know, grocers out of business every day yeah. by people using to go to Walmart for a cheaper price. If people are really that invested in, or if people really, I believe if people really believe that Walmart was such a bad company, they'd stop shopping in droves. Yeah. I totally agree, you know, and that's, and that's what I, I think, you know, for me, when I think about that stuff, it's like, you know, realizing that it doesn't have to be all or nothing, you know, maybe it's yeah. just more about spreading around the, my shopping. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not just investing in one specific organization or if I am, I ought to just buy freaking stock. Yeah, that's true. Sports. And um, I, I watched the debate last night, and we'll probably talk about this later, but I was torn between watching the state game and the state and Carolina game versus the debate for a I brief moment. somehow thought you were going to bring that up. <laughs> and I did know, not you know, watch because I knew better. You did not well, good. And I, so I'm still on my phone. I'm like checking the scores out. I'm not trying to flip channels because I knew I wouldn't stop watching the game if I started watching it. Yeah. And at that moment, right, it was probably three minutes into the second half, I saw his state was up. And I look at Tetchy and I'm like, man, I got to hear Chris's mouth tomorrow. <laughs> like, I, was so, <laughs> I was so pissed. No. But I'm glad that they ultimately won. Um, yeah, and again, and I, like I mean, the there's people already calling for Kevin Keats to get fired. 
I first of all, I mean, they do it after can, every single loss, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But he beats. He's able to win against Duke, but he loses against Carolina. And it's like, oh, he should lose it. Oh, shut up. It's, it's a dumb argument. Um, I, he did gain some respect for me last night in the pregame uh, interview. Mm-hmm. And he was very, he's a very even kill guy. I really like the dude. Um, yeah. Don't really, I mean, even though he coaches at state. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, he, I think he's a good coach. I think you give him time, he'll, he'll build a good program there. Um, you know, and I, I'm with you. Like, I like his approach. I think his demeanor is good. You know, he can, he is generally even keeled, but I, you can see the, the fire and the passion kind of, you know, right. right underneath the surface, which is good. And I missed the XFL game this weekend because we're, as I said, we're watching movies and I know they play on Saturday, but that's going to, I got to adjust some stuff. No, I, gotta, I, I, told, sh- sh- I gave you them. the solution last week. I didn't set up my DVR. <laughs> so I've got to figure that out. Um, but yo, the XFL is getting a lot of good press right now. I'm really excited about that. Well, yeah, um, you saw, I tweeted at you that, uh, first kickoff return for a touchdown that they had. Yeah. By a Powell. Yeah. yeah by, uh, a Powell. by a Powell. Yeah. I don't think I didn't notice that. Um, is that your, your nephew or your brother or cousin? No, I don't. I just, I'm just claiming that because, uh, we're all, I mean, there's two for two he's <laughs> Powell and he's black. So. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Um, (laughs) but yeah, like, you know, I was excited when I kind of heard about the kickoff rule for the XFL because just something completely different. Um, and I wanted to see if teams approached it the same way that they've always done kickoffs or if you'd see, and I mean, let's be honest, like a reverse like that is not something that you've never seen in a kickoff before. Right. Right. Like that's happened plenty of times. Um, but I think just the dynamics of having everybody within five yards, but you see that the, you know, defending team immediately has like half of the players drop back as opposed to everybody right. rushing forward like they do. And so it's more setting up like a regular kind of defensive play. Um, so, yeah, it was just really interesting. Um, I, will... I think the XFL has a shot. I think they have a shot to be a, a, a pretty stable lead, just like the CFL. Um, and I, I don't think it's going to be like a farm team. I, as they grow as an organization, I see that they could possibly compete with the NFL. Um, over time, I, I don't mean like, you know, you have two competing right. um, leagues, but I think that they can hold their own and, you know, start to get the draw where people are deciding, do I go play for, well, probably not D.C., but do I go play for New Orleans or do I go play for um, the Giants? I, I do think that they're putting the foundation in place, and it's probably from their last mistakes of starting this, to over time be that other option for professional football. See, what I think would be interesting, um, somebody else had suggested this. I don't remember who. Uh, but if they basically eliminate the age limit or like the three years out of high school limit that they have in the NFL and made it so that either kids are coming straight out of high school or just sooner than they can in the NFL. And there's a decent amount of money for the kids to make there. Um, I think 
could potentially provide a better product or at least a more entertaining product in that regard because you'd have kids that are up and coming kind of like you know that you would have expected to watch in the NCAA um but instead are now playing in the XFL that that would be interesting i don't think it would work though because you learn i mean of course you learn the fundamentals probably they're probably solid by high school but in college is probably where you learn more of the mechanics that you need to be successful in the NFL um, I don't, I don't think missing that s- step would be, I mean, it could happen. I just don't know if you'd probably get the right end result by missing those college years in football. So, I mean, it, it would, you're absolutely, you, you make a good point in that. I think it would require the XFL to provide the right level of training, right. You know, for the players that, you know, that's one of the things that would be required, um, you'd have to look at that almost like you do a college player where it's like, there's a certain level of investment in time. that, And if the player's only going to then leave to go to the NFL, but you know, I mean, for the XFL, you get the two or three years out of that player. Uh, it might be worth it, but yeah. And so I think you're right. Like the, there's definitely a lot of potential there for that league. Um, I still have not watched a game live, so I'm going to try and do that this coming weekend uh i thought it was interesting the uh the new orleans battle hawks or mm-hmm. st Hawks. they they've been like sold out for every game and I, when they're... i was watching the clip i noticed uh just how packed the stadium was i was really surprised yeah they're sticking it to the rams for their their move to la so um which well, i think was it was a money grab if i'm being honest wow. well yeah and I mean, it's a it was a smart move on the XFL's part to put a team there. Yeah, I mean they're gonna definitely. That's why I mean when you do see... they have a team in San Diego? <laughs> <laughs> I think when you see the um, like for me, what I see like long term for them is the ability to give people like I get very nervous when football season ends, like I kind of struggle through college basketball because I know that's a sh- like my focus is probably on the NCAA, the ACC tournament and then the NCAA tournament. Yeah. The regular oh, season is like mildly entertaining in college yeah. basketball. Like there's a couple of matchups here and there that you might want to watch, but outside of that, it's like, no, I'm waiting until tournament time. Yeah. It's it, because I've, you know, more than likely my season's either over by Christmas <laughs> depending on Carolina is. And then it's just that final stretch. And then baseball, I mean, we're at the start of the season. Yeah. Baseball, I love to watch baseball, but I don't really care until a little bit later on down the line. See, Um, and like, I've been trying to get into hockey more. um, Yeah. But it's the same thing with like college basketball where it's like, the games are entertaining to watch now, but there isn't enough importance on the individual games to really make it worth it. You know, like to invest a a whole bunch of time for me personally as like a pretty casual hockey fan. Like, and I don't mind watching it on TV. It's so much more fun to go in person and see it. Oh, like 200 fold. (laughs) Like, I don't know who like doesn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Like I, every time I've gone to a Canes game, I've really enjoyed it. It's actually made me like hockey. Um, Now soccer, I can watch, I could literally watch football like soccer all year long. But I don't really care that much about 
like European soccer. Yeah. Um, because they're racist. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my biggest thing about European soccer is the fact that FIFA has allowed racism to ruin the game. For yeah. Um, and they do nothing about it. So, yeah. It's FIFA. But, I mean, well, like that we don't want to get rid of the racists because they make us a lot of money. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> life you know it's funny because like that's one of those things where i think at least for me growing up in the united states i always had this perception of racism being like a thing that was kind of unique to the united states for some reason you know like really? yeah like and it wasn't until i got okay. older that i realized oh no like racism is rampant everywhere like i'm not the only one yeah, it um, yeah, it's that's a that's a very pure way of looking at it. I I really I really like that. I, when I was younger, I thought that only the United States was racist. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you go like if you you know you take the time to travel abroad, you start to learn things like in South America, in a lot of cultures, the darkness of your skin, right? Like is a is an indicator of your status within society. So if you're lighter skin in like Chile, then you're supposed to be more wealthy and from a higher class, you know, and if you're darker skin, then you're lower class. And it's like, you know, where I'm sitting there going like, I can't really tell the difference. <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> you stopped at the fact that they're speaking a different language automatically. Right. And that's how, if you think about it, that's how people look at, Americans abroad. Yeah. They really don't care about the color of your skin. It's just like they, they know you're American. Um, well, and they don't care where you're from, right? Like, are you from, right. you know, Alabama or, you know, Michigan or Oregon? Like, you know, you're from the United States. Like, yeah, the, the Mecca of everything, right? We, which is good, but it's also bad. Um, and so, like, my wife has different views on race than I do. And, um, it's funny how when we have not, well, it is funny. It's funny how, when we have these conversations, she'll ask questions just like I have to ask questions. Um, because slaves went to South America, Central America also. And what's interesting is the, like when you look at the Afro culture and, and like other countries, especially in South America, that's where salsa came from, right? Like, uh, People just like Pico like, de Gallo. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's such, he's such an idiot. <laughs> like I mean, <laughs> I mean, but again, it's like black people are still known for music. No matter where you go on this freaking globe, we're known for music. Like yeah. salsa, you know, bachata. Like there's a lot of things where it's like, I guess black people bring the like the seasoning to a culture or a country. So. Um, I just find, you know, I just think like it's paprika? like like paprika. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have a little bit of pepper in your society, it's it's pretty boring. Yeah. So um, it, it's 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 interesting. It's time for politics. So you didn't watch the debates, of course not. And it was better than. The, it wasn't like a, a childish carnival like the previous one, but I will say 
I think I'm going to be right. I think that there none of the delegates are going to make it apparent for or clear enough for Bernie Sanders to win the nomination, mm-hmm. and it's going to go to the second ballot. And the establishment is not rocking with Bernie Sanders like that. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. Man. It's it's not going to be a thing. And I don't. I personally don't see Bernie Sanders beating Donald Trump in a general election. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you in that I don't think Bernie will... <laughs> Two things, right? We've talked about last time that, for whatever reason, Bernie supporters seem to not turn out when they need to. Um, yeah. And so, you know, if he makes it that far, do we get to an election? And then they're like, this is in the bag. Of course he's going to beat Donald, and they don't bother to go vote. That's Hillary, part two. Right. Um. And then I think... <laughs> You know, the other part is like with Bernie, he's not going to bring enough people from the middle. No, he's not. Right. Like he's so polarizing on the left. And I think like he has some great big ideas, you know, like things that I would love to see happen. I'm with you in that. I don't know that he necessarily has the plan in place to be able to execute on those things in a four or eight year time span. Right. And so it's just it's like, yeah, that'd be great. Can we be a little bit more realistic about what what it is that you are actually going to achieve? Right. I I think he uh, and we've talked about this num- numerous times that he is he's kind of the ability to galvanize young voters. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. They just don't go and vote. That's the reality. Like he did that with in 2016. Young, I mean, I got tired of hearing about Bernie Bros. I was like, yo, I, I, like, I don't rock with a guy like that. Like, I don't, I don't even understand why that's a thing. But everybody that was young, or most people that I encountered that were younger than myself, were all about some Bernie Sanders. The reality is, they didn't go and vote. The, the reality is, in my mind, it's like, y- you guys are, y- you are me when I was like nineteen. <laughs> like, you think you know. And I'm not saying that they can't be intelligent about the issues, but they think they know what they're voting for, but they have no idea. They have no connection to the actual issues that are being addressed. And that's where I was when I was 19 years old. And again, I voted for you know Mr. Clinton twice. And sadly, mistaken, as I got older, I was like, yo, I totally botched that. I wasn't educated enough about the real issues. It's like when President Obama was running and was talking about capital gains tax. And I'm not going to raise a capital gains tax. And he was in Florida, which probably contributes to the issue. <laughs> but everybody's like, woo! And I'm like, you guys even know when you pay capital gains tax? I'm like, most of the people in the audience probably, now I'm not, I'm just making an assumption. Right. Aren't going to sell anything that costs, or in, I know in North Carolina, typically that was going to, they're going to have $250,000 plus cash in their hand. Yeah. Right. These, these kids are like all excited. I'm like, yeah, but that you don't even know what issue you're excited. <laughs> That's about. literally never so, going to impact you. <laughs> so it just blew my mind to see all these people excited about it. I actually heard some people saying, Oh, he's not going to raise a capital gains tax. I'm like, bro, you have a part-time job. Like you're a student. <laughs> like this, that's not even. A, if anything, you like, should want him to raise the capital gains tax. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, like uh, four years ago, I voted for Bernie in the primary, um, and then I voted for Hillary in the election. Um, like, I wasn't one of those Bernie bros who was like, "Well, since you guys didn't choose Bernie, I'm not going to vote Democrat." Um, I mean, and you know, I I don't vote straight ticket when I go. Right. I try I do my research before I vote. Um and I try to take political party out of it, you know, and ignore that and look more at what it is that people are actually say that they're gonna do, um, or what they what they plan to do or how they plan to, you know, do their job. So um you know, I'd I think we've talked about this, like I certainly had my issues with Hillary and her platform. Um but I thought, you know, especially at the time that she was going to be a better leader for the country than Trump was. I, I honestly think she'd be no different, in my opinion. I think I mean, in looking at it now, yeah, like I, it's probably not that much of a gap um, in terms yeah. of where we are now versus where we'd be if it was Hillary. I think, again, right, some of the rhetoric maybe would be a little different, you know, like what it, and I, I mean, it's not my, like it's. We'd be minus the rhetoric, but we'd probably have just about the same results. Yeah, it's no different. It's no different than uh, President Trump taking credit for the economy. Right, but he he's pissed right now because the coronavirus has impacted Wall Street. Oh yeah, you know what, guys, ladies and gentlemen, the Wall Street has no direct impact on you buying groceries today. Yeah, <laughs> like if I'm being honest, no. Like, and if people don't aren't aware of that, if they're not smart enough. Oh no! Boils down. Oh, you pause for a second. Hold on. Your video froze. Oh, now you're back. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, so I I just think that it's just amazing. People think, oh, Wall Street's doing great. It has nothing to do with you, Jack. Like, well, I mean, at best, it's impacting your retirement fund. Right. Right. Like, and, and even then, the minor gains that you're making on that could just as easily go away the next week. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I mean, in, in my industry, you know, we're, we've been heavily impacted by the coronavirus because all, all, the bulk of our manufacturing occurs over in China. Um, right. But, you know, they're finally, because they, a lot of people didn't understand that when they lift, when the Chinese government said, you know, well, everybody can go back to work now. Like, that's great, but basically all of the small local regions still had quarantines in effect and blockades and stuff up so that people weren't allowed to leave the area until they had confirmed that there weren't any cases. And so while there are factories and a lot of those other places opened, we had like at best 20 to 30 percent, you know, worker attendance rate because people just weren't able to get there. Um, right. And it's finally, I think, up to about 50 percent. Um but yeah, I mean, it, ultimately what it's going to do is just shift the what's happening now to a slightly later, what would be happening now normally in the economy to a slightly later period as it gets I, corrected. I've heard a, an interesting thing that we have a, a strand B of the flu that's just exploding in the country again. And yeah, because I've seen a bunch of people posting on like uh, social media that they've got the flu even though they got the flu shot. Um, yeah, that's just, 
so I heard one doctor say that, you know, I, I get that it's sexy, literally, mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing, but he did use this word. He goes, I get it's sexy to talk about the new <laughs> virus, yeah. but people are dying from the flu right now. Yeah. So, well, and that's, that. Well, it's funny because when my mom and I were traveling last week, that was something that we talked about where it's like, you look at the number of cases of just the normal flu virus and it grossly outnumbers the number of cases of the coronavirus and like the number of deaths are almost the same. <laughs> so right. it's like, ultimately, which is really worse? Is it that big? I mean, and I think what scared a lot of people about the coronavirus was the fact that it had such a long incubation period where there were no symptoms and you were contagious. And so you weren't able to easily identify, oh, this is a contagious person. We can quarantine them. But ultimately, it's like it's not that much more dangerous if it's treated properly than your common flu. And that's the thing. I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, it's sexy to talk about this new virus strain and what's going to happen. Is this the end of the world? And you get people talk about, Oh, it's the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. Like, you know, everybody moved to Greenland. Like, Oh, aren't you playing pandemic on your phone? This is exactly how it's like, Oh my God, get over it. Like, I, I, I think social media is making a lot of people stupid. <laughs> like I just, I think the internet is probably making people stupid. It's I just, just like, wow. It's amazing to me how quickly people, and how susceptible people are to groupthink, you know, like where you see a couple of people say something and they're like, wow, that must be what's going on. It's like, do your own research, you know, like look into this information. Don't just take everything that you hear, especially on the internet at face value. Um, yeah, it, it's amazing. Okay. Oh, so I'm, I watched, um, I think I watched all of Dave Chappelle's uh, comedy specials on Netflix again. Mm-hmm. Dude, that guy's all right. Him, Chris Rock, and I think those are the, the main two. Those are two comedians I used to always have like beef with, right? Um, you said I used to think Chris Rock was just a, a jerk, a jerk and a joke. I'm like, dude, you just you just drop the n word just to you know get people to laugh at you. I thought um, Dave Chappelle was uh, like he was just a sellout. If I'm being honest, like, yeah, man, you're making a lot of bank on stereotypes and you got white people laughing at stereotypes. I don't rock with you like that. But as they've gotten older and like Chris Rock kind of admitted some of that stuff, I'm like, all right, I, I can appreciate the, the brilliance in your, your comedy. And same thing with Dave Chappelle. Well, I mean, that was like, like the whole reason that he just disappeared. Yeah. He, you know, was like, was he, yeah I, he all of a sudden kind of turned around and looked at that and was like, I don't want to do this. Like, But what I think is funny about, or what I think is cool about comedy is that it brings like a, a a big spotlight on some of the flaws that a society has. And watching some of you know watching Dave Chappelle again like over the you know few, last few days, I'm like, yo, it's so hilarious how people people actually laugh at the comedy, but they don't really get what he's saying, yeah. right? It, like you can have intelligent people in a room, and like yourself and I right no no. I mean it's obvious but we get the jokes but we also understand like well maybe that's not right let's do something different but a lot of people just kind of you know whether it's social media or comedy or whatever the the latest thing is they just kind of glaze over that they're taking it for like the lowest common denominator right it just blows, blows my mind yeah like 
Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that because I saw this article um, the other day on, I think it was on NPR. It was talking about, oh yeah, here it is. Uh, With an election on the horizon, older adults get help spotting fake news. (laughs) 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 So, like we've reached the point now where we have to teach people the difference between real news and fake news in social media. So you talk about social media making people dumber, like, <laughs> dude. But that's what I, I'm talking I about in, you, in this, like, you know, people's lack of accountability for their own intelligence. Where it's like, well, uh, I saw it on the internet, so it must be true. Like, it's one thing to say, hey, I saw this and I thought it was interesting, or that didn't seem right to me, or I wonder if that's true. But to see something and immediately just believe its veracity and move on without. And then when someone questions it, be like, no, oh, I saw it on the Internet. So it must be true. Let's talk about technology. There, there's a phrase in the Bible that has made me think that, yeah, we're, we're those we're those people We're in the Bible it says my people will fail because of lack of understanding. Right. So at some point in our, like every society, most societies in history, known history, people go off the rails. And I think we're at that point of the convenience factor of our, of our lives has made us lazy even to learn. Like audiobooks would be an example. How lazy are you? You can't read a book. <laughs> like now I get there are people that use audiobooks like while they're driving, they have a long trip in a car or whatever. Yeah. But people just sit on their couch listening to an audiobook. You, you need to go reset. Like, that's just lazy. Do like, you know what you, I discovered? <laughs> what? There's a feature on your iPhone that will read what's on the screen to you. For the love of all that's holy. So you can be Please like, hey, me. Siri, read this article to me. And it'll just start at the top and read all the words. But what's great is if you're on, like, a web page, it'll be like, home, navigation, menu, main menu. <laughs> like, going through all of the different things. <laughs> Uh, I I get accessibility features, and, and I think that sounds more like an accessibility, th- which is exactly what that is. But also has the ability I, to be taken advantage of in like <laughs> a computer. Read to me. I don't want to read this myself. Like I have seen people like actually instead of texting, they send each other messages via text. I'm like, you are that is lazy. Like we've gone from the fact we can't thumb type anymore, and I get it if you're driving, but. Yeah. Our convenience is making us stupid. Like people are, are afraid of hard work, even if it's something that benefits them. Yeah, and I think like it's it's tricky because in some ways, you know, I think some of those features are designed more for efficiency's sake than in necessarily like with the intent of making people lazy, right? Um, but then the ability to use it as a way of being lazy. I don't know. I think to an extent as a society, we we are either inherently or have gotten to a point where it's just like we're kind of lazy. Like that's what we want. We want everything to be done for us. We don't want to have to work for anything. You know, it's like all the people trying to get rich quick. Right. Or yeah. the fact that what, like 90 percent of companies that are started up now are done with basically the intention of getting bought out by somebody else. 
Like I just want I want to start an idea. I'm not in it for the long haul. I'm going to do a, a little bit of work for a short period of time and then I want to cash out. So yeah, that, I'm not in the cash out mentality. And if you think about that, it's like but it's so hypocritical because the same people that say that are the same ones pissed at Amazon. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's like you can't have it both ways. No. You literally you're not. It it blows my it blows my mind. It's just like yeah, so if NPR and you know I have a tendency to listen to NPR. That's why. I, <laughs> so that's why I was looking on NPR the other day. I was like, well, if I'm going to bring something up, it better be from Andre's favorite website. It is not my favorite website. Like I, I, I enjoy source. the. It's yeah. It's it's probably one of the more legitimate news sources. But are you kidding me? Like, are people that freaking? That's stupid. Do you want to like, hear something yeah. even better? Yeah. So there was a crash in uh, 2018 in California, a guy in his Tesla. Um, cool. They discovered that the reason that he crashed was because he was playing a game on his smartphone while it was in like the autopilot mode, um, which is not super surprising, right? What's funny is that the National Transportation Safety Board has now said that Tesla should have known that its users would misuse the autopilot feature, which is basically designed to, you know, like in an emergency, get you to a safe place, um, that they basically are liable because they should have anticipated how lazy people were going to be. That. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. There's, there's no, no. No, 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 no. That's no. where we are. No, no. I don't, I don't even have the words right now because my brain is like melting on the stupidity of the government for even making that statement. That guy's, that guy was an idiot. <laughs> like, I'm, I am not saying, I don't wish bad things on anybody but come on no it's not that you deserve to die but it's like i mean how stupid can you be you're in a freaking car you need to understand that you can't be playing a video game while you're in while you're behind the wheel of a car i'm sorry like yeah there 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 is a uh that's just stupid like that is the dumbest like i'm not a big elon musk fan um for by any stretch of the imagination because i i think he's brilliant i just don't understand why he gets so much like undeserved love um yeah but that's not his fault (laughs) you know what's funny it was uh i was laughing i did not realize that he was in iron man 2 he has like a really brief cameo when they're in monaco uh walking through the bar (laughs) he's talking about an electric car (laughs) or something (laughs) I don't. Yeah, I, 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 I just no. Like there, there's no, 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 no. That is the dumbest thing. It's time for politics. Wait again. That is so. It's like uh, it's the equivalent. Like, well, it's right up there with Bernie Sanders actually owning three houses, you know, and his yeah. wife actually getting a uh, school closed i'm like isn't this a guy that's all about education and his his wife is the one that made some poor business decisions that got an entire school closed yeah and nobody talked about it that just blows my mind he paid 500 
plus thousand dollars in cash for a house. And he's talking about the one percent. Mm-hmm. Bro, come on. You're one of the one percent. I don't know anybody right now on on. I know a couple people that could probably pay five hundred thousand dollars cash plus for something. Well, and I like, guess like it kind of begs the question: Why are we so focused on just the one percent? <laughs> right? I mean, why you, not the top ten or fifteen or twenty-five percent? Like, why make this all about the people that are only and not? Not that I necessarily have like a whole bunch of sympathy for them, right? Like, but it's just kind of bit like, you know, is it because, oh, I happen to be part of that 10 and 15, 20% and I don't want to pay extra, you know? Like, <laughs> well, that elitist mentality is one thing that I have against the Democratic Party. And most of these people are in the 1%. And it's now it's like all right, a good example would be Joaquin Phoenix, who. Tetchy now has a big crush on him because he was born in Puerto Rico. And now I have to hear about, like, every now it's going to be like the Joaquin Phoenix show in my house. But that's okay. No, it's not. He, made this, douche. he, he made this speech. <laughs> yeah, I know. Obviously, <laughs> I, have, I have feelings about that. Uh, it's I'm not, not just like saying that. that because your wife has a crush on him either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, he made that speech at the Oscars. And I really don't care about like celebrities politics if i'm being honest I, I just i think they're people and they have no bearing in my life i don't look at them as role models um but i listen to his speech i'm like oh, okay that's cool that's dope but the funny thing is it's like it's a bunch of rich people talking about like how they're going to solve things yep and it's they don't they don't live in a world that everybody else lives in and that's what bothers me. And I think the Democrats make that they just exasperate that problem for me. It's like, dude, I get it. But you're you you got yours. Now you're trying to make you're trying to make it difficult for everybody else to come up with your BS stupid policies. Yeah. Like when you when you have something, you're probably you probably more likely to be generous in the most part. But if you complicate the road for everybody else, all you're doing is like you're keeping your fan club your little your little club like private. And that's what I, I, I think is just disgusting. And I, I, I don't know why people don't see that. It's like, yeah, but they've already arrived at some level or point where they're they're comfortable. But they're making it that much harder for everybody else to get where they're trying to go yeah. by these silly policies. Yeah. Well, and then you get policies on top of policies on top of policies. And all it really does is generate a whole bunch of red tape and interference and more blockades and barriers to get to that point. And yeah. Yeah. And and that's where, I mean, I think, you know, the, the direct influence of money in politics is so frustrating, you know, and infuriating because you would hope. Don't you, think, don't you think it's a little bit odd that the people that they've achieved some level of freedom, financial freedom or success mm -hmm. or notoriety are now trying to make up rules to protect that same club? I think that's right. That's so it's so obvious and, and blatant that I don't get why people aren't pissed. Why is it like, that senators and representatives can vote on their own pay raises? Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, like they're the ones making the tax laws and yet they're writing laws that exempt them from having to pay most of the taxes. They're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to do a job when most of them have high paying jobs outside of that already. Right. So I, I'm just, I'm always confused. And I think it's hypocrisy, especially the Republicans are not as, 
they don't really hide their somewhat bias, if I'm being honest. Right. I think the Democrats and their, their elitist like, yeah. dem- demeanor just drives me crazy. It drives me. So it's it's like nobody's paying attention. My dude legit paid. He paid for a house in cash. How many people you know that just buy a house, a whole house, a summer house? Not just a house, but a summer house in cash. Oh. Poor. I mean, again, I have nothing. I I don't have a dog in the fight. I I do know that I don't want to see, although it's a possibility we may get another term of Donald Trump. I don't want to see that. I I don't think he's really helped the country. And I know that, like, the pundits last time, well, he's riding on the economy. Well, somebody should call BS on that. Because Somebody he's done should call Obama and ask him how he feels about that. <laughs> <laughs> but even even President Obama should call uh, Bill George Clinton. Bush. George Bush. Yeah. I like mean, and he, that's, that's the thing that I think a lot of people either don't know or don't understand or choose to ignore is the fact that most of the policies and things that are put into place now are not going – they don't have an immediate effect, right? Like – it takes time for those things to impact and to see the results from it. And so most often what we're experiencing now is a result of the previous, you know, I don't want to say regime, but you know, yeah, administration. (laughs) Thank you. The previous administration's policies and their efforts. And it's not, you know, I mean, there are some things that are done that have an immediate impact, but um, it's, it's few and far between. Yeah. You know, um, it's very few and far between, but I, I'm very surprised that now the, the boomers, the official boomers have to get guidance on how to spot, you know, truth from fallacy <laughs> and NPR is providing it. It's just, come on. Like, nah, nah. Yep. Blows my, blows my mind. So um, I saw in Carrie that you're, you guys are having a hard time with your dynamic left turns. <laughs> like, what is that really like? Well, I, mean, I don't get, you know, all of my left turns are dynamic, but I don't know any other way to be like. <laughs> it's the right. I mean, what can I say? We're not ambi turners here in Carrie. Yeah. You know, I can, we can't turn left. Um, I. You know, I think I talked to you about this when they first introduced it, and I there's two things. One, apparently, and I didn't realize this, the lane that they made dynamic, which for those of you that don't know, what they essentially have is two left turn lanes on a very at a very busy intersection. And when it's not rush hour, they have a large X at the stoplight for that right turn lane to turn left between the two lanes and so then the only lane that's supposed to be used is the one that's on the far left during rush hour they open both of them my question is why why not just have them both open all the time right (laughs) what is the advantage to closing it for the majority of the day that makes absolutely no sense to me second like you you did this to a place where there already were two turn lanes Right. So you're literally what you're what you're doing is not making it more efficient during rush hour. You're making it less efficient when it's not rush hour. And so what they should do is have a light shine in your eye if you're in the wrong lane. Well, so like the dynamic lane thing I get. So like over by PNC Arena, right? 
on right. Edwards Mill, they have the dynamic lane so that when a concert or a, a game gets out or something, they can open up more lanes of traffic going one direction than they have going the other. Makes sense for an area like that. I understand you can't do that everywhere, but that's what I thought they were doing here where it was going to be like, oh, we're going to we're going to have extra lanes of traffic that we're going to open up that weren't there previously, basically. But to say, no, we're going to close one down for the majority of the day and then only open it. And what you ended up with was a bunch of people pulling into that left turn lane because they weren't paying attention to all of the road signs and everything flashing before because they're... By the way, you know, you make fun of Cary, okay? Cary is well known as an acronym for Centralized Area of Relocated Yankees. And where are the Yankees from? Yeah, but you know the problem is we let all these West Coast people in that have a lot of problems. Yeah, that's in very true. That's very true. Like I mean, guys, guys, we struggled mightily with a double lane turnaround, turnabout, or roundabout. I can't even think of the name. Roundabout down at NC State's campus, uh, so much so that they had to tear it out and, and reduce it to a single lane because people could not understand how to get through that thing. Well, you know it's funny. We went to Florida one time and. Um, Every accent we saw in 95 was somebody from New Jersey. That's <laughs> so, not surprising. I laughed. They have a every big time Duke God sticker did. on the back of their car, too? Yeah, possibly. I was like, yo, Tetsy, I bet you they're from Jersey. And we pull up the accent, Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> like, every every single accent. I'm like, man, what's wrong with people in Jersey that can't drive? It's, uh, like, it's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think that, you know, um, I mean, I get why they do it. Because if you think about the downstream traffic, if you have so many cars going through at a certain time at, let's say, um, from Tryon to, uh, back to Walnut, right. From, mm-hmm. if you take uh, carry parkway to the Tryon intersection and take a left there and you hit Walnut street, that road is not wide enough. So I, it kind of makes sense logically on why they would have the dynamic lane because maybe the next light can't support that much traffic or that upcoming part. And Tryon's an S, it's just an S-storm when it comes to where it goes from two lanes to four lanes back down to two lanes. Yeah. So theoretically, it makes sense. I think the way they implemented it was just a big mess, in my opinion. Well, um, and this is where like I get frustrated because it's not like they didn't spend a crap load of money putting these systems in, right? Like I, it cost them north of ten or $15,000 in each location to install these dynamic right. left turn lane systems. That's twenty to thirty thousand dollars that could have been invested much better and much more wisely in infrastructure. Like I just to me, you're you know, it's like well <laughs> it's like you're using an adapter when you should just buy a new plug, right? Well, I you know, I <laughs> I need this to go from two hundred and twenty volt to one hundred and ten. So I'm instead of just plugging this into another outlet that's one ten, I'm gonna <laughs> I don't, it's just it feels like a really wonky way to solve that problem um yeah i yeah i don't want to um i i think i'd be remiss if i didn't say infrastructure is a big problem you don't have to be very smart to figure it out just figure out a way to invest more in public transportation i i don't think a lot of people and, you, and you're right that carry is an acronym for relocated yankees you're right but most people are not averse to using public transportation. I personally would love public transportation. I mean, um, I've, I've, for the longest time, really ever since I moved to Raleigh, I've not understood why 
the state of North Carolina and the transportation department hasn't built a railroad that follows I-40 down to Wilmington. Like you have the biggest port in North Carolina. You build right. a railway that does two things, right? Is both freight and transportation. Now you have direct access from, I mean, if you extended that rail to go basically along 40 and then down 85 to Charlotte, you could have people going from Charlotte, Greensboro, Raleigh, and all of those stops in between down to the beach and back and do it for a, a day trip, a weekend trip. Like, I mean, I, it just doesn't make any sense to me, except that there are probably trucking lobbies and all these other things in place that have prevented that sort of logical infrastructure development from taking place. You know, um, yeah. the fact yeah, that we don't have more light speed rail um you know here in the u.s like i um i agree wholeheartedly i think that the lobbyists are making it difficult and they, they have their hand in the cookie jar when it comes to environmental issues disclaimer i'm not a hippie but i i mean there's some lot you know common sense solutions we can make we talked about this last time there are a lot of common sense easy solutions that we could put in place to lessen our impact on the environment and what's What's still shocking to me is that the United States is 15% of the problem, but we're taking like 90% the of the blame of the blame. I'm like, but, what do you, but I think part of that is because, you know, you mentioned it earlier, like we are kind of this, I mean, for the, for a while now, like we've been viewed as the leader, you know, like this kind of example of a country, like, and I think in a lot of ways we project ourselves as that image as a country, like, Oh, we do it best. Cause we're America and we're free and fuck. Yeah. Eagles and <laughs> rock and roll, baby. Apple pie. Yeah. Apple pie. Like it gets real soft there at the end. <laughs> <laughs> we got soft side too, but that's like, I think that's part of it is that people look to us as an example. And if, we want the rest of the world to, I mean, it's just like, you know, if we want, if, if I want people to stop buying from Amazon or I don't want Amazon to be as big a monopoly, like I have to set the example by not shopping at Amazon as much. Right. You know, and I think that's the same way people look at the United States and the world. It's like, well, okay. If we want the rest of the world to be part of this solution, then like we have to be the ones at the forefront making the most noise saying like, we have to get this done. Um, and maybe sometimes so that means, Kind of. I'm, so, question. Yeah. Right. So that's a good point. So if it, if it's, and I'm all about. Well, I'm not all about, but I think it's it's a logical step to go state. I mean, local, state, then national. Why are there not more states uh, being better examples? Like, like you could take New York as as a microcosm of the country and say, well, you know what, guys, a place with like nine million people, ten million people can figure it out. And that city, that one city has more people in it than North Carolina. Yeah. Which is amazing. So why can't... They also have more taxis. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. But I mean, you, you, you make a good point, but I think at the same time, you look at New York and the traffic there is still terrible. You know, like driving there is awful. Most people don't drive their own cars. Right. Like if you... The a majority of the people in New York use public transportation. Now, granted, it's not always the best, but they, they refine it over time. Yeah. But most average people in New York don't use a car, nor do they own a car. 
So you pay for the luxury of having a car in New York, whether that's with a park using a parking deck or now the new automated parking uh, little robot things, yeah. which kind of, they're kind of dope. Um, <laughs> it's like, yo, that's cool. Um, you can figure those. I mean, if New York can figure it out with probably a smaller footprint than most country, most most states, why can't North Carolina figure it out? Well, so I think part of it is that it's. I mean, we talked about economies of scale, right? That's that's part of it. In that, in New York, you have such a high density population that services like that basically because you're able to get so many people using it it reduces the cost for each individual and therefore makes it more affordable and i think part of the issue maybe and it's just a theory in north carolina is that we don't have that dense of a population right um but i mean think about i mean i think we got to stop as a country you have to stop using cost as an excuse so when you when you and i look at it this way when we go back what seven eight years ago with flat screen tvs yeah the the introductory price was like close to a thousand dollars for a television. Yeah. Then at, at some point people figure out, Oh, we can produce this at a rate. And now you can buy a flat screen TV for like what? A hundred bucks. Depending you, on what size. But yeah, I mean the, the same TV that you bought for a thousand is probably 200 bucks at the most these days. Right. So we've been using trains for a pretty long time. <laughs> like, well, I, mean, right. a lot I, think, of- I mean, it depends on what you're looking at for, for public transportation, because you know, like, the train idea, I would get behind and support. I mean, it's my idea. So <laughs> yeah. um, I think like putting, you know, like a subway or like a metro system in Raleigh doesn't make a ton of sense because I don't I don't think that Raleigh is big enough to really warrant. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like you'd get enough yeah, use Durham, out of it. Durham, but Durham, Raleigh and Chapel Hill, and like you look at the triangle, right? Everybody could use that service. But we spent a crap ton of money on 540. Yeah. So not everybody utilizes 540 uh people actually complain about paying tolls so and i'm not <laughs> and that doesn't make any sense to me either that the fact that they have oh here's three-fourths of 540 which is free to use but this last little quarter because we couldn't get the money from the government we're going to charge you to use yeah i mean so like i, I don't know it's a, it's a i guess it's a complex you know situation and problem but i think the same the same logic would apply Right. So, I mean, yeah, you could and you could do it like a mix like they do in Boston, you know, where you have like a mix of underground and above ground, um, right. you know, where you could go underground within the city, uh, within each individual city, but then have maybe above ground tracks to go between Raleigh, Durham and Chapel Hill. Although if I'm being honest, Chapel Hill doesn't warrant that they're not big enough. <laughs> you're, I mean, you're, but you're not wrong. But a lot of people spend their time in the RTP, right? So there's a lot of there's a lot of yeah. So I mean, RTP might them. even be a better. You know, you could do like uh, Raleigh downtown, Raleigh RTP Durham, and kind of go back and forth between those three areas, right? Because RTP and Durham would probably serve close enough. Uh, well, okay. Well, we solved it. Get to it, North Carolina. But you, see, <laughs> but you see my point. A lot of these things aren't complicated. It's just a matter of. There's got to be some common sense approaches that we can take on on making those small steps that become that allow us to make bigger impact. And we choose not to, for whatever reason. We choose not to do it. We, well, right. And usually it's because the argument is typically, well, it's too expensive. We don't have the money to do that. But I mean, if we want, we can find the money like it's there yeah. when we need to. Right. Um, I mean, if anybody has seen the classic movie, Dave, um, <laughs> 
right? He saved that homeless shelter (laughs) and that program because nobody wanted to give, nobody wanted to look like they weren't going to give money to a homeless, you know, orphanage uh, so that they could have another obsolete bomber or whatever it was that they cut out of the budget. So, um, and that's why Dave will always be my favorite president. (laughs) I I love it, man. Every, everything goes back to the movie. Like I can't (laughs) use like a a Marvel example (laughs) in anything, but it's just, I mean, I just, I, again, I, I'm a proponent of common sense politics. I, I don't think that it's that complicated. We could find the money if we decided to tell our state representatives that, we're only going to pay you the, the uh, median income yeah. as opposed to core salary. And you guys only really work six months out of the year. So we're only going to pay you that. <laughs> and you can't make more money than teachers. So if we pulled some of that money out of their pockets, I bet you like we'd probably have people that really wanted to be in that office because it's not a uh, exclusive job anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, you know, that's a big part of it. Um, taking... <laughs> taking the financial benefit of being a politician out of it, like make it a job for people that actually want to do that. Not a job where people are like, well, that's an easy way for me to bank a bunch of money and not have to work real hard. Cause that's what it looks like. If I'm being honest, and the, residual, you know? the residual for them is that they get the influence and they can use that in their, their private lives. Yeah. And that's that go, that's Democrats and Republicans. So 100%. Please, Please, nobody think that that's unique to Republicans. The, the Democrats are just as dirty as the Republicans when it comes to the residual effects of holding a public office. Yeah, so, I mean, you don't think Bill Clinton has just been riding the coattails of his presidency? I mean, since... Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That bothers me so bad. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've solved a lot of the world's problems today. Um uh, again, maybe we haven't, but I think there there are positive things that we can do. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Sorry, I got you in trouble last week talking about relationships. Like I again, no, I'm an you expert. didn't. You didn't get me in trouble. I was I'm just joking. I mean, you know, <laughs> like if I if I said anything on the podcast that I wasn't willing to say in person, then that wouldn't be a good relationship in the first place. So. That's true. I'm not going to say it to your face. I'm just going to say it to unknown people, but to a potentially global audience, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Oh, I hope you're not listening to the podcast that you always listen to and give me your feedback on. No, uh, yeah. I it, I heard that sh- uh, the last couple episodes have been very good. So well, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm a pro at relationships. I'm pretty good at them. Um, I've got experience. Experience. Yeah, <laughs> lots of experience. Yeah. <laughs> Old. Um, what was I going to say before I, I went? See, that's when you know you're getting old. When you start to like you visual, like you sound like your parents, you act like your parents, um, you forget things like your parents. Every day, every single day, mm-hmm. I do something that I. It's like I have that mental pause afterwards, and I go. God, that was such a dad thing to do. Like my dad, you know, like that's exactly what my dad would do. And the more time I spend with him and my mom, the more I find it comes out. Like when I was traveling with my mom last week, I get much more comfortable talking to people I don't know for whatever reason when I'm around her. And so like we were sitting at the bar at the hotel having dinner and everything. And just like, I was just chatting up. I was so funny. Like, (laughs) 
You don't even know. You should have recorded. If you don't record it and put it on Facebook, it didn't happen, right? That's true. That's true. That's why I have a separate uh, Instagram uh, account for my business travels. <laughs> that's sad. That is super sad. And I hope that's not true. If it is, I'm going to be very sad. No, it is. Um, uh, what is it? I think it's underscore the underscore traveling underscore businessman underscore <laughs> underscore underscore. I mean, yeah, everything's I taken so. these days, so you have to come up with creative ways to add extra characters. And the underscore is one of the less, uh, I don't know, intrusive of the special characters that you can add usually. Yeah, I don't, I don't, um, like I started using Pinterest uh, last week and I actually learned something. Oh my God. And here I thought Here's we were I... almost done with this podcast. We just opened up a whole can of worms. Yes. Okay. All yeah. right. So you started using Pinterest. It's not really a social media platform, more, more so than social search, which I can stand by. I, I can get behind that. I can respect that. Yes. Um, and and I didn't really- it's nice because it allows you to build these like little collections of things. You know, like I have uh, two or three different vegan cooking boards on Pinterest. And one is like my, what do we call it? The... Um, bucket list you know things that i want to make um and then just like baking specifically for baking and then um like holidays you know so when i have like specific things that i want to do for holidays and that way you can kind of group everything by that and then um i don't i don't find that i go back on pinterest and post a lot of pictures when i do like when i've tried something if i happen to think about it like i might um right but it just it just really depends. I I use I do use Pinterest primarily for searching for things and trying to find like yeah. recipes and other ideas. And I I like that. I can get behind that. I think that's a good use of social quote unquote things. Uh, social search I I can dig I can dig that. I don't social media like you know I don't want to be part of the problem. You know I didn't rage tweet at the debate last night because I just chose not to. I'm like nobody's listening to me. These are my these are my opinions and my opinions alone. I don't want to put that out in the interwebs. Um, See, and that's that was the stance that I took with social media. I want to say probably about like four or five years ago. You know, I, I, honestly, it was it was sometime shortly after Helena was born, where. You know, I think part of it is probably just that, like, my priorities changed in that regard, where I wasn't as focused right. about what was going on in social media. But I started realizing that, like, who cares what I think? Yeah. You know, Nobody like, cares. when I post this stuff out there, like, why should anybody give a crap what Chris Smith thinks? Like, if I'm being perfectly honest here. Um, so thank you all for listening to what Chris Smith thinks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, I mean, I the audience that I'm sending it out to is just a bunch of people that I already know who probably know how I feel about these things already, you know? And I get, I get so sick and tired of the posts on social media where it's like, Oh, I'm sick. Every bone in my body hurts. And it's like, all you're looking for is sympathy. Like you just want people to post, Oh, I'm so sorry that, you know, you don't feel good. I hope you feel better soon. Sending hugs and and kisses your way. Like, like, Oh my fucking God. You know, 
Spend a day yeah, wrapped in a blanket eating chicken soup. You'll feel better. Like I've seen people put like their personal, personal relationship stuff on oh, like, yeah. social media. I'm like, yo. That's and then they the get bad. back together with that person and you're like, but wait a second. <laughs> yeah, you've already, you've already changed my perspective of this person. I'm like, yeah, why are you even rocking with that person like that? I, yeah. I just... I just don't get it. I'm like, nah, hard pass. Like my wife and I, we fight, but like that's between us, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's like I'm not gonna like live stream that crap on Facebook. What kind of fool am I? Yeah. Um, I just, I, I, I got to the point where I realized that nothing I posted on social media was ever gonna really like influence somebody to do something that they didn't already want to do, and so why bother? It's like it's, an, it's literally an echo chamber. Yeah, and and it's uh, people that think like you believe the same things you believe in of course they're going to like give you a pat on the back but what about people that are your real friends are probably like nah that's stupid <laughs> like you, you shouldn't be doing that i mean it's just crazy um so I, like, I don't I, really i had one friend that very nice guy loved hanging out with him in person you know, like in person, just this really like lovable character, you know, kind of crazy, but just very fun, you know, loving guy. I stopped following him on social media because everything was had this like this level of vitriol. Like it was all just trying to start a fight and everything was an instigation. And I was just like I and so I stopped following him. He, he had posted something. And like, we saw each other in person and he was like, Hey, I was really upset because like I posted this thing and I really expected you to, to reply or be part of that. And you didn't do that. And I'm like, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. And I had had a few drinks. Um, I stopped following you on Facebook years ago because I couldn't take it anymore. And he was like, well, fuck you too. And I'm like, look at it this way. I like hanging out with you in person so much that I shut off your social media channel so that I could still hang out with you in person. Because if I had to sit there and watch you post that crap on a regular basis, when I saw you in person, that's all I'd think about. And I never want to talk to you again. And he was like, Oh, I guess I never really thought about it like that. I was like, you are welcome to post that crap, but you have to understand that that doesn't mean I have to listen to it. Yeah. You know? And I think for, for some people there's this level of like, there's still this level of perceived anonymity, you know, on the internet. And it's like, I mean, I'm sorry, there's no level of anonymity really on the internet anymore. Like everything is tied back to something that is ultimately going to lead back to you. Like when jobs, and here's where like the serious part of it, like when jobs ask you, what's your social media profile? Mm-hmm. First, first of all, that's a personal question. I'm like, I'm not, I don't feel obliged to give that to you. Like, first of all, that's none of your business. Um, but for me, it was when I was working at, you know, that company, they gave us a social media policy and we were going to be held responsible for what we put in our, like your private personal life. Like it's none of your business. Yeah. You know, I really don't think that has anything to do with you. So, um, my, uh, my dad had a very similar situation a few years ago where he got gotten a new job and part of the job was that they expected them to use their private social media profiles to promote the company's products. So basically going on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all of the different social media channels and constantly pimping their products on their own personal profile pages. 
And he was like, can they legally do that? And I'm like, I mean, I don't know if it were me and you really want this job. I'd just set up a bunch of alternate profiles with no followers and and just make it all (laughs) private or whatever so that, you know, and then do whatever it is that you need to do. And he's like, oh, I guess I could do that. I don't even remember if he ended up taking that job. But, um, yeah, I mean, weird, weird stuff like that that companies do. And you're right, like ultimately social media just becomes this giant record of all of the stupid inane thoughts that passed through your head that you decided you were going to share with the world. And Facebook does a great job of reminding you of that. Like look back <laughs> at your memories from 12 years ago when you were a freaking moron. Yeah. I, I, I don't get it. I, um, yeah, I saw this article and now this is like my last thought on social media, but this, this company, this girl was, I think it was a marketing company and she, they found her on Facebook while she was in a bathing suit and they blasted it saying to the rest of the company or people, Hey, make good decisions, good decisions. Unlike this person or something to that, you know, along those lines. And I'm like, yo, and she's pretty much sued them or something and Mm -hmm. like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, first of all, a company should not be going at somebody like that without, I mean, it's just, it's just weird. I just don't get like what I do in my personal life. Granted, there's not much variance between my personal and my professional life, but it's not for the company to either a attack it or B like you, you can't tell me how to raise my kids. You, there's a lot of things like you don't have the right to do that. So yeah, you can go absolutely. And I think uh, like there's a, there's a certain level of that that's starting that has, I mean, it's probably always been blurred, right? Like, within certain organizations, right? I think it's more of an organizational problem than it is like an epidemic, you know, issue across all industries. But um, I think like, especially in the digital marketing world, because it's looked at as like, oh, you know, we got to find every advantage, right? And so you get a lot of like the multi-level marketing companies, AKA pyramid schemes where they want people to use their personal social media profiles because they already have a built-in following. Oh, your friends and family will feel obligated to support you. Like again, had a friend who all of a sudden was blowing up on the different social media channels, posting all this stuff about like what they were like, just about their life and going like would have, 20 minute videos where it's just like a you know just complete mind dump of everything that's been going on in their day and no offense to this person but just like who cares ultimately like why should anybody care what's going on in your life to the extent that you spend this much time sharing it you know and then it turns out like because i'd seen a few of their posts they reached out via like instant messenger and, or, you know, Facebook and messenger and were like, Hey, thanks so much for your support. By the way, if you ever want to buy blah, 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 blah. I found that they're really helpful. And I went, boom, nope, sorry, not interested. More power to you. But, and I stopped following that person. Yeah. When you start, I mean, like I'm, you know, you know, it's about me. Like I'm not trying to, like there should be like, don't expect your friends and family to support your business. Like there's gotta be a different unless level. Podcast. Unless it's a podcast, <laughs> but, but even that, right? <laughs> this episode so, brought what, to you by the friends and family of Chris and Andre. <laughs> but even that, because they, I mean, like if I'm being honest, it's like, maybe they're not interested in this. They talk to you all the time. Yeah. They hear your, your crap 
all the things that we spew out of our mouths, I'm sure our friends and family have heard before, uh, or something similar. Um, the two things are separate. Like you can still like love your friends and family, but like don't expect them to support you. And for right. a company to think that's okay to cross that line is it's asinine. I just don't really get that. Yeah. Um, and, it, but again, what ends up, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, why is this happen? Because somebody did it at some point and they were success. Like it, it brought them a certain level of success. And so, then it became, oh, well, we need to get our people doing that. You know, if our people start posting stuff about how great it is to work here or, you know, these great products that we have and all this stuff, then, you know, that's just free marketing for us that we can do. Who knows what the impact is, but it's probably good. It's a gimmick. And the company we worked at together, when they would <laughs> launch their products and expect people to share it on social media, I'm like, nah. And I did it every now and then, but, but I didn't really care because it wasn't like I was really engaged in social media no and i i did it in the least like (laughs) the easiest way possible or it's like you know they would send out like all of the oh okay here's the plug here's the title here's an image here's a link here's all this stuff and i'd see somebody else's post on like linkedin and i'd just like share (laughs) i'll just share that one and be done with it i i uh I, I know I don't like, I'm not a big social media fan, but I, I can't like LinkedIn is it's becoming like something I'm, I was debating last week and I'm probably going to do it re- soon is deleting my account. Like I just, I just don't give two flying turds about any of the stuff I see there. And you know, I, I, I mean, this just, is again, like I think LinkedIn, especially my experience here recently has led me to believe that LinkedIn is is much more is looked at as a much more important tool within the tech industry in particular. Why? Cause I don't see it. So for me personally, I, since I switched jobs, I've had no LinkedIn requests from people that I've met with. Like, I don't think anybody within my industry really gives a crap about like they're on LinkedIn because I find their profiles, but they're not worried about, connecting with people or building these giant networks to which just always seemed to me to be the case when I was working in the tech industry where it's like you get these random people reaching out trying to make contacts and connections and it's all about how many connections you have and I know I'm sure it's it's different in other industries maybe it's just mine in particular is not yeah I'm about to delete my account because there's a lot of it's like yeah I don't really give a I don't care like I, I don't. Really, I get notifications um, for it regularly, and I'm like, "What is this?" And it's like you appeared in five searches this week, and I'm like, "Great!" And it's like upgrade to LinkedIn Premium to see who, where. And I'm like, "No." <laughs> yeah, I don't care. It's like I don't rock with these people anyway, and I may do it just so that way the people actually like I have 300 plus connections. So I don't have think one less. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I know. I think I'm just going to prune through and just be very selective about who I like. There are people I know professionally that I like to keep in touch with. Yeah. And at a per, at a professional level, but not like personally, I, I don't rock with you like that. Like if I've ever reached out to, you know, like when people leave companies, Oh, we're going to miss you, man. Blah, 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 blah. Stay in touch. Go. That's such, I don't even tell people that crap. I'm like, yo, all the best, man. <laughs> like keep it moving. See, but people, I actually, I actually, you know, hey, can I get your email so maybe we can stay in touch? You know, because I really genuinely mean that. Everybody yeah. else is like, yeah, be good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I always struggled with that because, 
especially like you know when I would leave like a retail job everybody was like oh you know like you should come back to come back to the store come see us all the time we know you live right down the street and it's like you go back the first few times and it's always like oh hey how's it going how's the new job or how's everything going what's you know but like after a month you're not because you just don't share those same day-to-day experiences with those people so you don't have that same connection necessarily right i mean like there are certain relationships and connections that develop that are that are stronger or are based on things outside of just the workplace you know like you and i have a bond that is that transcends just this the workplace itself because we have so many other things in common and shared experiences now but for a lot of those other relationships, it's like you just you don't have that outside of your day to day work experiences and the frustrations that go along there. Like, right. That's really all you have. And so I would always just stop going like after a while, you know, and then people would get mad. And then the other thing, it's like after a while, you don't want to you don't go. I, I wouldn't go because I didn't want to have to constantly answer that question of how are things going? You know, like how, oh, how is life yeah. post Starbucks? How is life after, you know, Blockbuster? And it's like, it's great because I don't work here anymore. You know, <laughs> I'd I ask mean, you how is life get... post whatever, but you're still here. So <laughs> I know, right. I would go to places all the time and I bump into people that were former employees or I had something to do with their career. And that's that was a good feeling. But like for me, I didn't mind like having a real interaction but i didn't really want people hit me up on like social media <laughs> if i'm being honest it's like yeah I, where it's just like it was always weird um well and these days i feel like i'm more likely to have you know it's like i'm more likely to have somebody's phone number in right. in my phone and be able to send them a message so if it's somebody that i communicated with regularly at my at an old job like i can still communicate with them regularly um, yeah i don't yeah, I don't do the whole bs like uh oh keep in touch i don't i don't mean it so i'm not gonna say it yeah <laughs> you're an honest guy like that yeah well i try to be like That's why I, people I, like I, you andre because you're so honest all the time yeah that they love me for that it's <laughs> like uh bernie <laughs> so uh trevor noah did this clip of the uh i think the new york times picking their endorsements mm-hmm. and, and Bernie Sanders says, I don't know why people do this, but if it's your birthday, I'm not going to say happy birthday. I'm not going to buy you a cake. I'm like, yeah, there's, I have similarities with Bernie Sanders. Like, <laughs> but, uh, um, he even sounds nah, like was, him sometimes. Yeah. Well, I, good old Bernie. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, we have had a lot of things to talk about. Yeah. And, I'm going to yeah. have a lot of fun editing this episode. Um, there's going to be a He's whole the lot brain. of record scratches and be like, wait, again? <laughs> <laughs> so behind the curtain, Chris is the, uh, this is his skill set. This is not mine. So he'll he'll speak to me about things. And I'm like, I, you were just speaking Portuguese to me, dude. Like, I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> no, this is, so it's, it's funny. Um, I, I mean, I grew up, playing music um not necessarily recording it regularly and then when i got to high school and had a my garage band uh my buddy john who was the lead singer and guitarist he had uh like an old tascam four track recorder you know recording onto a freaking cassette tape and that's when i first started kind of dabbling in you know like audio production 
Um, and then I took a, like a electronic music class in high school and that got me a little bit more into it. Uh, in college I played around with like fruity loops and stuff like that just for fun. Um, but then we had a group that would do the 48 hour film festivals. Um, and the first year they did it, I didn't, for whatever reason, I didn't get to go. And the next year I went up and I, I didn't have like a role spilled out for me. And so I think I ended up being like the boom mic guy that year, like holding the microphone, but then eventually worked my way up to being like the audio technician and producer. Um, and it's always just something that I've really enjoyed doing. Like it, it can be a pain and there are times where I really hate doing it. Um, but it's usually just because I can't get something to sound the way that I want it to. But I don't know, for me, it's a, this has been a really fun creative outlet because it allows me to do some stuff with that as well as, you know, getting to talk to my best friend for an hour and a half, uh, at least you know, on average about once a week. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it makes you kind of like, yeah, we have, we're going to talk. We, we know that's going to happen. Speaking um, of which, yeah. uh, next week is probably not going to end up happening. I am going to be traveling out to Arizona. I have to help move, uh, an office from Arizona to North Carolina. So, Okay. Well, that sucks. I'll try to post uh, some uh, some updates from the road because I'll be driving cross country with my dad in a box truck from Arizona to Carolina Beach, North Carolina. <laughs> that sounds like um, levels of fun. I'm glad that you get to endure. You're jealous. <laughs> Admit it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not even in the slightest. <laughs> I had some friends in high school that went to Arizona and uh, I didn't go on that trip. And I was like, yo, how is it? They're like, yo, it's 110 degrees outside. There's a warning saying, don't go outside right now. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't need to be there. No, th- this time of year is not too bad. You know, I mean, it's in the seventies. Uh, so it should actually be pretty nice weather when we're out there, fingers crossed. But then I still have to go through like New Mexico and Texas and, Arkansas probably try to avoid little yeah, there's, there's some states that I just don't belong in <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I know and it's like all the ones I just listed <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it <laughs> but I I, I really do want to let everybody know that I don't do all the hard work here it's actually Chris <laughs> because like if we have to write some code I'm down but like what he does is really dope I think it's really impressive so um yeah, like I could try to learn, but there are some things that I'm just not like I'm interested in it, but at a very surface level. And it's like, oh, that's how that works. And then I'm done. I move on. <laughs> like, I, I just don't care. Yeah, I know your goal is to be like the smartest person in the world, but mine is like, yeah, it's not useful. Like, it's. <laughs> I do know how to boil piss for survival, but I know it doesn't mean I'm going to do it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, you know, I mean, I took a survival class many years ago and I'm like, yeah, I could probably survive for 14 days with little or no food and water. Is it necessary um, for me to drink my own necessary? urine? No, no. I do it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so I, sterile, I, I, I like the taste. <laughs> I wanted to give Chris a shout out for his, uh, sound engineering skills that i don't have uh, um probably in the next coming months we're gonna put up a website oh and that's where we'll expose another things another thing that andre's not good at and that's a technology called css 
So we're when you see little... our website and it's all black and white, uh, that's because Andre doesn't believe in colors when it comes to coding websites. Yeah. Uh, like I hope you can read binary too, because that's what he's going to write all of the content in. <laughs> yeah. You can see it, right? It's all you need. You, yeah. you don't have to do anything else. Uh, there are, we're probably going to do an episode of things that we're not good at and that why we're okay with those. That would be that a good fun. one. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I still, still got to work on some other segments here. Um, for those of you that listened all the way to the end of last week's episode, you may have noticed that I had a little helper with me doing my, uh, up comedy bit. Uh, <laughs> since I had picked up the kid early from school, I thought I'd let her, uh, co-star on stage with me. So she was very excited to hear herself at the end of our podcast last week. Bring your kid to the show day. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, I figured you had your kid on, I had my kid on, now it's even. But I have five kids. I can always one-up you. Well, then she'll <laughs> just have to make five appearances. <laughs> I'll bring Ambrose and the cats. I'll get everybody in. Yeah. Well, thanks again, everybody, for listening to us. And we, we enjoy doing this just as much as we hope that you guys enjoy listening. If you're not listening, then try then How harder. on earth are you hearing this right now? I know, right? Uh, this has been the Chris and Andre show. I'm Andre. And that's Chris not saying anything. So we'll, oh, we'll that see. was my cue. I missed it. Let's yeah. do that again. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Chris and Andre show. I'm Andre, and I'm Chris. <laughs>